I remember being in middle school, and um, we didn't watch TV like they do in school now, but um, except for a few special occasions. And so they rolled the great big cart that weighed 300 pounds and the big, one of those not flat TVs, and it was always, you wondered if something was going to hit something and topple and hurt a small child or something. It was huge. They rolled it out, and there were those few occasions when we gathered around in middle school, and it was one of these occasions where we would gather around, and, and as things prepared, and they prepared when they had this, uh, the space shuttle program, they would prepare for a launch. I remember a couple different times during middle school when we gathered around, depending especially on which class we were in, if we were in science class, then you, know, you had to watch it. And so it was an event. In school, and we watched, and the anticipation built, and, and as the countdown, sometimes we would count down and get louder and louder, but then, then it happened, the, the rocket or the space shuttle launched off. And I remember as a kid just sitting there, and, and, and it's like, you, you just you kind of got nervous, and you, but you were, it was an excited nervous, it was an anticipation of, oh man, this is going to happen. But there were a couple times... A couple of times we were all gathered around and, and we were ready and it was like down to like 15 or 20 seconds and it stopped because something went off. Some, some light went off in the gazillion panels and gauges in the room with the 40 or 50 people. Something went off. Something was just a little bit off. The rocket or the space shuttle wasn't ready. And I remember the disappointment. I remember the, just like, oh, man, not just because we had to go back to our studies, but because we, it was like, oh, we didn't get to see it lift off. And when we were younger, it was, you know, for us, it was like as little kids, it was like, yeah, all, all they got to do is push that button and boom, it goes. Away it goes and take off. But we knew the older we got and the more we learned about it, we understood that it was more than just pushing a button. In fact, there were so many pieces that were in, had to go in place. So many elements came together. Hundreds and hundreds of people preparing for that one moment when the rocket or the space shuttle was ready to launch. I think for the church, we have to understand that God is has called us to be people that are ready. If you've not been with us for the last few weeks, a few weeks ago in the tent, we kicked off um, worship in the tent, and we started this series called Ready. And the idea of ready is that a person who is ready is fit or suitable for a particular action or activity. In other words, there has been preparation, there has been training perhaps, there has been work leading up to a particular activity. One of the things I like, I think about a, a triathlete. Now, a triathlete, they swim, they bike, they run. But you put a triathlete out there in any sports competition, they're going to do well. It's not like the bowler, no offense bowlers, but it's not like a bowler, okay? Okay. I mean, they're a triathlete, for goodness sake, and, and they are fit and they are ready for about any sporting activity whatsoever. We need to be ready. We need to be spiritually ready for all that God is calling us to. We talked about a few weeks ago that the start of readiness is willingness. 
I challenge us as a church to kind of step back and examine our own hearts and our minds. And if you haven't listened to the messages the last two weeks because you've been away, then I encourage you to get online and listen to them, okay? Because I, I, I want you to be up and ready with, with all of us. Because God is calling us to something very significant in this season. And we have to be ready, And it starts with that willingness, that willingness by having a teachable spirit. You know, I've been thinking about this one a long long time, and, and more and more each week I think about, I do not want to be a person, because I've been a Christian for so long, or because I've been in the church so long, or because I've read my Bible for so long, that I really don't have a lot to learn. Man, shame on us if that's where we're at. God always has something to teach us and to grow us in. And so if we're going to be ready, it starts with our hearts and our minds being ready. Are we teachable is the question. And then the other has to do with a surrendered spirit, a surrendered will. I mean, God does some incredible things off plan from us. Some of the most beautiful things in my life have been things that I haven't planned, I haven't thought would happen, maybe didn't even want to happen. God showed up. Because he does know, after all, much better than I do. And so that willingness is what our part is in being ready. But then we talked last week that that's only part of the partnership. The other piece of that is God's part. Let's go to our scripture. Um, Nancy, I guess, is up there. Nancy, um, and if you haven't, um, if, if none of you have, uh, and I, I don't know if we got more of these made this week, so sorry about that. Um, we'll get more made, note D. And um, uh, <laughs> she loves it when I assign her task in the middle of worship. Um, is, is that uh, if you haven't got a memory scripture card, get one. 2 Timothy 2.21 uh, we're, we're looking at the English Standard Version because I really like the words that use here, particularly the word ready. I hope you have it memorized. If you're not there, get working on it, okay? We need this in our minds. We need it in our hearts. Let's read it together. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. That's like the part of the song that we shouted a little bit ago, okay? So when we get to ready, we got to shout it. So we looked at the whole idea of being willing. Last week, we started to talk about this idea of how God cleanses us. That's God's part. You see, anything that we have to offer must originate from God because God created us. And our offerings in ourselves really aren't worth much because we have sin, we have scars, we have blemishes. But what Jesus did on the cross is that he cleansed us as white as snow and he took all the sin that was in our account and he paid for it. And so that the dishonorable part of us is now set aside and now we can stand before God right. And now God, us willing, God is able to take what was dishonorable and then he will make us a vessel. And not just any old piece of vessel. Not those pieces in the, in the household that are used from the, for some of the dirtiest and ugliest jobs that nobody wants. 
No, this is a a vessel for special use. A vessel that's set apart kind of like that fine china we talked about last week. That's what God looks at you as when you've allowed Him to cleanse you. I know for a lot of people that's just hard to grasp because what do we do? We start thinking about all the things about us that make us dishonorable. I want to encourage us as a part of being ready is that we think more about Jesus and what he's done to make us ready. What he wants to continue to do to make us ready. This passage of scripture has been so helpful for us because we begin to understand that we have a very special purpose as the people of God. Not that we look at arrogantly, not that we, we take and we say, oh, look at us and too bad for you. No, because none of us have earned it. None of us have earned it. And as we look at this final phrase of ready for every good work, let me be very clear. We don't earn this. It is by grace. But because of God's grace, because of the grace of Jesus Christ, we should be ready. And we should be prepared for any and every good work. I want to spend a little bit of time today and I want to look at this final phrase, every good work. I don't want to overcomplicate it, but I also don't want us to minimize it. I don't want us to think it's just anything and everything because it's much more. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. I think two things happen with with Christ followers. One is we don't give enough credit to God for every good work, and another is, is we give too much credit to ourselves for every good work. I want us to think very clearly about every good work is in all the places and spaces that God has us right now. We don't have to go somewhere far away for every good work. Every good work is right where we are. Because if God, His Spirit lives in us as Christ followers, then God intends with everything we do, honorable to Him, set apart for holiness is that it becomes every good work, which means some of the most meaning, meaningless task that you look at and say, how in the world could God use this? Oh, God will. The question is, are you going to allow him to? Are you going to allow him to take some of the most perhaps not very good looking task and turn them into every good work? You see, each day our day is full of work and activities and things that we take our time to do. We have to be very careful that we don't think living Christian lives and going about every good work is something where we set everything else aside and either just go to church or just get with church people and do it. No, God wants to do every good work in every place that you're at. So think of some of the most common of things and think about how God wants to make it very uncommon. How you treat that coworker in the next cubicle. How you treat that kid at the lunch table that nobody wants to talk to. 
Paul does something in this passage of Scripture, and if we haven't spent a lot of time before and after this particular passage, but if you look earlier in chapter 2 and you look later in chapter 2, Paul has bookended this particular uh, passage of Scripture that talks about common utensils and special utensils. And what he does is he warns Timothy. He says to Timothy, he says, I want you to flee for the evil desires of your youth. I want you to get away from the quarreling. I want you to get away from the gossiping. And he lists on both ends of this passage, talks about the things that distract us from every good work. We should take heed. Because how often in the best of intentions, as we walk with God, these things distract us as Christ followers. Paul also warns and says, now I don't want you to just sit back and think anything and everything can be good work without me because it can't. It's a partnership. It's this partnership of willingness but also dependence on God. That value of God dependence that we continue to talk about around here. So I want to share a couple of things that I think are important about every good work. Every good work is primarily about serving God. In this culture today, a lot of people do good things. And that's nice. It's necessary. We all know it's needed. But I don't want my life to be full of good things that don't point people to Jesus Christ. I don't want us as a church to turn into a church that is based on, so, on strictly social good. The ultimate social good is leading people to Jesus. Amen? And so that we should do good things. But the bottom line of everything we do should not be about others, should not be about us. It should be about serving and worshiping our Creator. Everything. And it doesn't mean it can't be about those things. It doesn't mean we can't help people. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy what we do, okay? But what it means is the bottom line is, is that we serve God. And every good work is about serving God. That is the bottom line. And I know that sounds like a kind of a, well, duh. He studied all week for that. I think it's so easy for us to minimize it or so easy for us to perhaps maybe do it for others before God. And here's a test of that. Do you glory more in people praising you for what you've done or do you point to God? And I get it. It feels good. It feels good to get the pat on the back, doesn't it? And it's not that we shouldn't receive those blessings, but those blessings we should look to God for, not to others for. Because some of the best good work you will do will get no praise from people around you. And so it can't be our measurement. The measurement has to be that everything we do is an extension of, a rise out of, a, be founded on service to our master. Everything. And we have to do gut checks on that from time to time. Not only individually, but as a church, we have to do gut checks. Why are we doing this? Are we seeking to praise, please God and, and praise God and serve Him? Or are we just trying to please others? We've talked about that. 
And so what that means is that it has to be primarily about serving God. It also means that sometimes it's not going to be our favorite thing. Now, we do a class here called Discover Your Place. We're going to start it in the next uh, round of ETCH electives, and I encourage you to sign up if you've not taken it. We're going to talk about what it means to discover your place, what it means to find how God has gifted you and shaped you to serve Him. It's a beautiful thing. But the bottom line is, even though there's places you will excel really, really well in serving Him and that you enjoy, we should never be a barrier to serving God wherever He has called us in whatever He wants us to do. You want to see this church impact this community in greater ways than ever, then we say, yes, Lord, whatever. But I'm not comfortable with that. Yes, Lord, whatever. I shared with you last week when I stood here on Saturday morning in front of three caskets, it was not where I wanted to be. And I didn't do that for my glory. I wanted people to catch a glimpse of who Jesus was in me and who Jesus was in those of you that served in this place. You see, we have to be people that reflect over and over His goodness and His glory, even in those dark, tough places. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. You know this scripture, but I want to say it again because it speaks to this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and teaching or training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we don't know what honors God, then we need to go to Scripture and find out what honors God. So we can't plead ignorance that, well, I I wasn't really sure if that was God honoring or not. Look right here. But it also means that we have to rely something more than just human capacity and human power. We have to rely on supernatural power from God. You know, doing human power things like mowing my yard, that's kind of fun. It's good. Except when your mowers broke down like mine did this week. But that's fun. It's fun to accomplish. It's fun to check off and say, ah, I did it. Guys, we love that, don't we? Yeah, I did it. That's good, and that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing bad about it. But I know if I'm going to do the greatest good for God's kingdom, then I need more than my power. Look at Colossians 1, verse 10, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Again, Him first. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Now catch this. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance. Anybody never get tired? Never get tired. We all get tired, don't we? Anybody ever lose patience? <laughs> Good, I'm proud of you. You're acknowledging that. First service, there's a little, kid, little, little girl out there. She's probably three. And I said, does anybody ever get tired? She yells up, no! (laughs) I said, oh, wait, sweetie, it's coming. It's coming. It was so funny. And then her little brother's sitting next to her, and I said, does anybody ever lose patience? He says, yeah! It was so good. Oh. It was so so perfect. But but the point is, in our humanness, we, 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 we can't accomplish even all that we may want to. 
But that's where looking to God, not just in that cleansing process, but in this process of being strengthened in His power. You know what I think about sometimes? If, if I am living my life and I can look over a past period of time and I wonder if I, if I ask myself, did I do that all in my own power? It probably means I didn't. I should have no doubt, you should have no doubt in your mind that God is showing up in your life. And if not, then why? Why? This is something to, to beat yourself up about except to say we want more of Jesus Christ through us. And to do that, we have to rely on His supernatural power. But I'm just warning you, it's going to take you places that you may not have thought you were ready for. I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and, and we were talking about the phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle. You've all heard that. Many of us have said it. How many of you have been given more than you can handle? Yeah. That's not a lack of trust in God. But God works in those places, doesn't he? Because when it's more than I can handle, when it's more than you can handle, guess what? God says, come here. God says, come on, right here. But if we can handle it, we tend to not look to God. God, I got this one. Take a break. Go help that person. They really need it. No. God is going to put us in places, some of the most joyful places in our lives. And we should see his supernatural ability and power through us. But in some of the deepest, darkest of places, he should be just as powerful. So I want to talk briefly about one other point, And it has to do with us, individually, and us as a church. This series on Ready is all about vision. Now, vision is one of those kind of fuzzy things everybody wants, not sure everybody realizes it when it happens, and most people have their own ideas of what that should look like. <laughs> every good work is about serving God, and every good work is about carrying God's vision for the church. We're vessels, remember? What do vessels do? A good vessel carries... And so God has created us in Christ Jesus to carry out his plan for the church, which is to draw and reach people and bring them into the kingdom as we point people to Jesus, as we help people understand the power, the life-saving power of who Jesus is. If you think about vision, a very short phrase to, to remember vision, it's dreaming and thinking of a better tomorrow. A better tomorrow. Look at the Bible. The Bible was full of God's vision for his people. God had a vision for his people that were enslaved in Egypt. And he called a man named Moses and said, I want, to take, I want you to take them out. And you're going to take them to the promised land. I don't want to be a church that's wandering around in the desert. I don't believe we have, but I don't want to go there. I believe God has blessed this church and God has worked in so many of you and so many others for many seasons. We're in a new season. Vision is vital for life. 
whether you get caught up in it and whatever you call it, vision is vital for the life God created in us. We're not just here to exist, have a good time, and die. We're not here just to exist and get everything we can get and die. No. We are preparing. We are being ready for all that God has in store. And that means drawing people to himself. Because you know, many, you know plenty of people, you could probably name 10 right now off the top of your head, who believe that they are here to live it up and die. That's not what God created us for. Proverbs 29, 18. And you're not going to hear me do this very much, but I'm going to quote the King James. I have nothing against the King James, but I just don't quote it a lot. But this is one I really appreciate the language. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. In other words, if we don't dream about a better tomorrow, if we don't work toward a better tomorrow, we have no hope. And we have the greatest hope for tomorrow. The entire book of Revelation is John's vision from Jesus Christ about a better tomorrow. That is our assurance, right? It's not a wish that it may happen. And this whole idea of ready is about what do we do now, today, in the preparation for the better tomorrow. Shame on us if we're lazy Christians and sit back and say, well, that's just really God's job. No, God wants to use you. God is using you. And all the glory to see Him shine through you. You see, people have such a hard time relating to this spirit called God that they just see is up there and and so distant. But when they see God in you, it changes. God becomes real. God becomes tangible. God, God becomes relevant. You mean God did that in you? Yeah. Yeah, and he could do it in you too. I want us to be ready, realizing the vision of tomorrow starts with the actions of today in every place that we're at. And I will first talk about that, what that means for you individually. I love the imagery of an orchestra. And actually, a few years ago, Pastor Josh showed a clip of the orchestra warming up, you know, and, then, and, and they're playing all the tuning their instruments, whatever, and then it finally came together. But if, if you have any appreciation or knowledge of an orchestra or a concert band or whatever, what you know is that all the practice does not happen together. All of the work, all of the preparation, all of the readiness does not happen in the concert hall or even the rehearsal room. Where it happens is individually. I want us to think about that and what that means for the church and if you haven't got the idea is that you're the church, okay? As Christ follows, you're the church. And so, as members of an orchestra, as members of the body of Christ, what happens is that we are to, in whatever way we can, be ready to allow God to work individually in us, to do good work in us individually. And that's so significant, because the church will never go if the individuals are not ready to go. Yeah, you need good leadership, we need dependence on God, we need lots of prayer. But I tell you what, you cannot push a rope. You can't push a rope, it doesn't work. It just creates a tangled mess. 
And so what that means for us individually, and what I want us to think about today is what good work God wants to do and is doing in you. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what season, no matter what job or retired or whatever or health condition, God's vision for the church starts with His vision for your life individually, and they're not separate. Consumer Christianity says, you do what God's called you to do, and you fulfill that purpose. And if it's a part of the church, eh, okay. That's not biblical. What God says in His Word over and over again is that the work I'm going to do in your life, the way I'm going to work through you and in you, is going to be for the overall good of my grand purpose of what I'm calling the church to. So it's not an add-on, it's not a tag, it's not optional. And I know, I get it, I know some of you like just coming in and then like leaving. I'm sorry, that's not the kind of church we're going to be. We're not going to do that. And I understand there's seasons for that and I understand there, there's things that happen. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be willing to say that maybe I'm in a season that right now, then so be it. But that's not going to be the rest of your life. Because you're going to find yourself disconnected from this body if that's the case. Because we all got to be in. Every single one of us has got to be in. Individually playing your part. You know, I played first trumpet in high school. And, you know, my practice rehearsal times where I was able to grow and learn and play, the, play better and work on it the most were up in my bedroom with the little music stand, cracking out notes left and right, finally getting it down. And all the beauty of sitting down then with an orchestra or a concert band when you're playing your part. See, it's not just about being busy. It's not just about activity. It's not just about events. Are you allowing God to do good work in you individually? It's your kingdom purpose is what it is. Ephesians 2.10. You've heard this one. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's that word again, Prepared handiwork. You're not a shoddy creation. You're not thrown together. Yeah, you got a few bumps and bruises. Just like a good sandpaper sands it out, that's cleansing. Jesus says to us over and over again in the Gospels, come. Church, this isn't about just trying to recruit more people to serve. I don't have some ploy next week to say, okay, we're signing up for this new thing. No. It's not about a church promotion. It's simply about being ready for God to work in you individually. And he's doing that. And what I'm saying is we're not going to stop. doesn't mean we have to get busier. doesn't mean we have to do more, but we cannot let up. People are dying. People are living without any purpose. And it's tragic to watch. And as long as I'm senior pastor, pastor, we're, we're not just going to sit back and let everybody else take care of it. We're going to play our part. 
Eric Rees, author of the book Shape, says it this way. I define kingdom purpose as your specific contribution to the body of Christ within your generation that causes you to totally depend on God. Is that not great? And authentically display his love toward others all through the expression of your unique shape. We call it discover your place. It's those spiritual gifts. It's your heart. It's your passion. It's your personality. It's your experiences. If you don't have any idea about those in your life, you need to be signing up for discover your place. And this is why. God has good work to do through you. In all the places. You know, God did that throughout the Bible. He still does it. He does it in the lives of people, many of you. He did it with Joshua. This young kid who followed along in the, in the, the shadows of Moses for many, many years. And God took an extro- a pretty ordinary little kid, grew him up, trained him, made him ready, and look what he did. He fulfilled the vision of leading the people into the promised land. And there's that guy, Nehemiah, who was taken out of his home and then taken back when it was in rubble, back to the city of Jerusalem. And God said, I want you to rebuild it. Nehemiah needed all the people to build the wall. He couldn't do it on his own. But he said, I'll play my part. Peter and John, leaders in the early churches, they stood and watched their friend Stephen being stoned to death and persecuted, said, we have a mission greater than ever. Start the church. They allowed God to work in and through them. Andy Stanley says this, God's vision for you is what you were made for. And more than that, now please catch this. His individual vision for your life is a small part of a grand plan for the universe that he envisioned and put in motion long before you or I came on the scene. This is where we got to get it right. We can't think that God is working in us good work individually apart from this body. We're together. So let's talk a bit about collective good work. I want to do I want to I want to test you on some things, okay? I want to look we're going to look at a couple of vision statements of companies. And I want you, once it's, don't shout it out early, once we're done, I want you to tell me who it is. This company says, committed to bringing the best personal computing experience to students, educators, creative professionals, and consumers around the world through its innovative hardware, software, and internet offerings. It is Apple. Next one. Our vision is to be the Earth's most customer-centric company to build a place where people can come to find or discover anything they might want to buy online. Amazon. Last one. To establish ourselves as the premier purveyor, love that word, of the finest coffee in the world while maintaining our uncompromising principles while we grow. There's a reason you know those. I'm serious. There's a reason you know those. Some of you don't drink Starbucks coffee. But it's, maybe you didn't say Starbucks, but as soon as it was mentioned, you thought, ah, yeah. Because some of you think Starbucks coffee is horrible. So that's okay. This is not about us being a business or a company. This is not about us um, trying to get some catchy vision statement. This is about recognition to what we're called to do. There's a reason you know those companies. If you've ever walked into a Starbucks, you can talk about the experience. If you've ever 
ordered anything from Amazon. One of the things they are known well for, and they're not perfect, but they have some pretty good customer service. They make it so easy, don't they? That new little one-click button is really dangerous. It's not new. My, my point is this, is they have been able to capture a vision for a company, and it's not because some guy in a suit sat in his front office on the corner looking out over the city and decided, hey, we're going to be purveyors of good coffee. No. It is because every person in every store is trained to carry it out. And my question for us is, why not the church? If God is calling us to reach people for Jesus Christ, to make disciples and be disciples, why should we not be as relentless? Now, don't get nervous. I'm not going to turn us into a business or any of that kind of stuff. That's not the point. The point is, we should be the most gifted, supernaturally powered people in this world because of Jesus Christ in us. Amen? And I don't want to settle for just kind of wandering around and figuring it out. And I know that scares some of us. It scares me, goodness. I don't know what God's going to ask me in all of this. But we're going to spend time over the next two weeks, and I'm going to try to put this in a little more tangible of a form, a little more of a mission statement that we've been working on for a while. And, and all I'm asking at this point is, is to walk and, and consider what God's calling you to. And again, don't you dare discount yourself because of your age or your position or your whatever, your health. Oh, God's bigger than all those things. That collective work. Look at Ephesians 3.10 as we, we pull it together. Look at this for a vision for this church, for the church. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers, authorities, and the heavenly realms. Now, we don't have time to dig through all that. But the point is, is that we are to, to declare his praises. First Peter 2.9 says, we are we are the manifold wisdom of God. We should make that known. That's our role, to draw people to Jesus Christ. Your kingdom purpose is a part of God's overall grand purpose. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about how do we get there. We're going to talk a little bit about, so what do we value in the process in fact, since January, staff and elders and uh, members of a vision team and, and some leadership has been working through some of this process. It's an exhausting process, and yeah, it can seem really silly. It's not, because God continues to lay out his vision for the church. We have to understand what that looks like for us specifically here at ECOB right now. And what I'm saying is all hands on deck. I'm going to play my part, and I'm going to ask you to do yours. I hope you're up for it. And if you're not, I hope you become more dependent on God, because he'll make you up for it. He'll get you there. And I can't wait to see what God does. Another obnoxious color paper in your bulletin this morning. Pull it out. If you've not been with us the last few weeks, we have concluded our time together by praying together. We've done that in some different ways, and we're going to do it again. 
These are prayers for living into our identity and direction as a church. It's basically vision, mission. These have been handed out with elders, staff, vision team, and some leadership, and now I want all of us to have this. I want you to find another place to put this. This is a little bigger, so don't put it on your windshield. But I want you to be praying. But I want to clarify something. I don't want you to just pray for leadership. I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for the person next to you. I want you to pray for these, these teenagers that figure out what it means to be a part of a church that has a vision to accomplish great things for God. I want you to pray for senior adults who, who sometimes feel so um, ineffective and not able to do what they want to do or used to be able to do. I want you to pray for them that they discover God's kingdom purpose for them within this church and for yourself. And so there's a couple different prayers listed, but this is not just about us praying today. This is about us being prayerful, period. So what I'm going to do is we're going to finish together before we close with the final song, and the team will come up in just a little while. Now, when they start playing some music, you don't have to start, stop praying. You keep praying. It's all right. But I'm going to ask you to gather in groups of maybe four or five around, maybe a little bit more, and I know this makes some of you uncomfortable. Um, we got to be praying. So if you have enough courage, bold enough to pray in your group, I encourage you to do that. Pick one of these or pray through them all if you want. But let's spend a few moments and let's pray. Let's pray that God continues to set forth his vision for this church within the Great Commission. So I'm going to invite you to stand right where you're at. If you see somebody that's not able to move, then I encourage you to just kind of gather around them and let's pray.